With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. of Kicking It Classic with JCD. I am your host, John JCD Vinicelli. As always, Kicking It Classic with JCD is brought to you as part of PWP Nation. You can check out pwpnation.com for loads of articles, editorials, news, and so much more. Check out PWP Nation on Twitter at PWP Nation as well as facebook.com. Slash PWP Nation. You can check out the show on Twitter at KITCWJCD. You can email us, kicking it classic with JCD at yahoo.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at NYC1219. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash kicking it with JC, kicking it classic with JCD. So this week, episode three, we will look at WCW Sold Out 2000 and if there is ever a show that went from up and down and all around, it's this show. So, fans, I have to tell you, strap in for what is going to be the biggest night of clusterfucking ever in the history of our sport. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't even know where to start on this show. You could either go like so far back as like late October or you have to go like right after Thanksgiving or mid-December. It's baffling how far you could take this show and still end up the way you did. I mean, the circumstances were just ridiculous. But, you know, we'll start with the backstory, obviously, you know, to let everyone remember what was going on at the time in WCW. So with that said, I mean, I guess let's start somewhere. Here's WCW Sold Out 2000. So let's get right down to the start of it. The event was held January 16, 2000 in Cincinnati, Ohio at the Firestar Center with an announced attendance of 14,132, which was definitely papered. And the event, excuse me, the event had a tagline of control is everything. Who will be the sole survivor? So the show itself originally, before we get to the backstory and everything that would take us to where we are, was originally built around three big matches. Uh, it was going to be built around Chris Benoit versus Jeff Jarrett for the United States cha- for the WCW United States Championship in what was described as Triple Threat Theater. It was basically going to be three different types of matches, and whoever won two would be the um, United States Champion. The next match 
was uh, for control of WCW to become the president of WCW, which would have seen Kevin Nash challenging Terry Funk for the title of president of WCW. And then, of course, the main event was built around the return match between then WCW champion Bret Hart against Goldberg. And we didn't just get one main event change. We got two main event changes, which had a domino effect on the rest of the card, as we're going to get into as we really delve into the show here. I really guess you could say the start for this show started the night after Halloween Havoc. And I'm going to have to take you back a little bit to the end of October and really bring it back a bit just to see where the seeds were planted. What had happened was at Halloween Havoc, Sting was supposed to defend the WCW title against Hulk Hogan. Something happened with Hogan. Rumor is it was creatively backstage. Hogan literally lays down for Sting. And Sting pins him one, two, three. Sting later in the night, at the last segment of the show, comes out and says he didn't sign up for that. You know, he wants a fight. Out comes Goldberg. Goldberg beats Sting to end the show. And it's believed that Goldberg had won the WCW championship. However, that is not the case. As Sting comes out the next night on Nitro... Says he never said the title would be on the line, blah, blah, blah. J.J. Dillon vacates the title. There's a whole big tournament with the last match on the first night of Nitro being Bret Hart versus Goldberg. And due to interference from Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, (coughs) excuse me, Bret Hart beats Goldberg in the first round of the title tournament. And if I remember right, wins the U.S. title in the process. Hart would go on, he would win the WCW title tournament at um, World War III, defeating Chris Benoit in the finals. And then the stage was set for Hart Goldberg at Starcade. And, you know, that was the money match, that was the marquee match, that, that was fine. You know, it was, you know, your big, you know, your, your world champion against the guy who, and to Vince Russo's credit, Russo had planned, had said his plan was always to eventually get the company back built around Goldberg. For all the shit that Russo gets, and a lot of it is justifiably so. There were interviews at the time, and I remember seeing them. And if I can get them, I'm going to link them up and post them on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Saying that Russo wanted to get the company back around Goldberg. So Goldberg Hart, for the title, made... A million percent sense for Starcade. Uh, they would win the tag titles along the way. And then I think they dropped them before Starcade somehow. Or they were vacated something. I, I can't remember the tag title situation. So here we go. We go into Starcade. And an interesting side note is Rowdy Piper is like this down on his luck, downtrodden character that pretty much is doing Vince Russo's bidding uh, in order to keep his job and to keep an income to provide for his family. Keep that in mind, because that's going to come up again. So we get to Starcade, and that's the match where Goldberg accidentally 
mule kicks Brett in the head, and Brett's career is basically over after that, but we don't know that at the time, obviously, but this is the match we're talking about. Uh, there comes a spot where the ref gets taken out, and Piper comes down in a referee shirt, and as soon as Brett locks Goldberg in the sharpshooter, Piper calls for the bell, and here we go. WCW just reenacted for the second time in three years, because they did go to the well for this as part of their ending for Starcade 97. They went back to the Montreal screw job. Hart looks disgusted. Goldberg is agitated. Piper walks away in shame. And that's how Starcade goes off the air. And now we are officially on the road to sold out 2000. So we get to Nitro, and of course, the show is built around the fallout from Starcade. Uh, We see several backstage segments with Vince Russo in his uh, powers that be non-facing camera role. Uh, Piper lashes out. Hart lashes out at Russo. At one point, I believe, even throws the belt down and demands, quote-unquote, a rematch with Goldberg for later that night, which Russo grants. So we're set. Hart Goldberg 2 on Nitro. To deal with the fallout from Starcade, Okay, no problem. We also start to get the setup for the Jeff Jarrett-Chris Benoit match that's going to come at Sold Out. Um, I believe Jimmy Schnooker appeared on this show and faced Jarrett at one point. So, you know, but you've got that set up. And like I said, we're, we're going to circle back to Hart Goldberg. No problem. And we get the match on Nitro, and the match moving along, and again, there's a, a ref bump, and again, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash come out. I believe Bret Hart has Goldberg in a figure four leg lock. I believe that's the spot. And Hall and Nash are standing over both of them with baseball bats, and Hart puts his hands up, and then both guys just clobber, Hall and Nash just clobber Goldberg with the bats. Hart gets up. And joins in. Uh, Jeff Jarrett appears. And the episode ends with Goldberg destroyed. And this new NWO 2.0, I believe they were called. With Bret Hart, Hall and Nash, and Jeff Jarrett. Um, Roddy Piper comes out to try to save Goldberg. They actually do a cool spot with Piper laying on Goldberg, taking the, the bat and chair shots as if he's sacrificing himself to save Goldberg, which, you know, with what happened 24 hours, it was a pretty cool way to redeem Piper. So your story is set, and your rematch is announced now for, for sold out. Bret Hart, Goldberg, Hart's a heel. Um, again, at this point, we didn't truly know the damage of Hart's concussion, but now that I think back on it, Hart did not wrestle much post Starcade. He did that Nitro. He might have done one other match, maybe on Thunder, um, but he did not do anything as far as being in the ring much post Starcade, which would tie into, you know, the concussion and how his career would pretty much end after that. Then we get to. An early January Thunder taping. And Thunder was not live, it was taped. And one of the shows ends with the NWO guys, Jarrett, Hall, Nash, Hart, getting into a limo that was presumed to have Russo in it. It was never said that it did, but it was presumed. And Goldberg is supposed to do a spot 
where he breaks the wind. No, scratch that. Let me let me backtrack. Apparently, the story is Scott Hall got Goldberg so worked up at the taping that Goldberg punched through the windshield out of anger. That's right. It was not supposed to be a work spot. And breaks the windshield and in the process tears his tricep. I believe a shard, a big shard of glass like tore through his bicep, tricep um, and injured him. So now we've got Goldberg out of Starcade. Okay, what do we do? Bret Hart needs an opponent. Again, WCW was not aware of how bad the concussion was. This isn't that hard to do because you've got Sid Vicious sitting on the sidelines. Sid steps up as an ally of Goldberg, and Sid now has the shot versus Brett at sold out for the title. Okay, no problem. That works. It makes sense. You wait for Goldberg to get better. Hart goes through Sid, and then eventually you circle back to Hart Goldberg. Again, not knowing how bad the um the heart concussion was at the same time the heart goldberg sid uh situation is happening you're quietly building a jeff not quietly it was one of the major storylines on the on heading into the show uh jeff jarrett chris benoit uh match for the united states title which Jeff Jarrett comes up with this crazy idea called Triple Threat Theater. It's basically, again, three sets of matches, um, all different types of matches, and whoever won two would be the United States champion. Okay, again, you're building that story as well. The other big story being built is Kevin Nash wants control of WCW from Terry Funk. So now they're building up that to... A match that sold out. Um, they shot an angle on Nitro where Hall and Nash looked like they were going to win the vacant tag titles from David Flan Crowbar, but a bunch of legends led by Terry Funk, which included Arn Anderson, actually screwed the outsiders. So Flair and Crowbar won the titles, and it was just further generating the the angle. Uh, you had the Filthy Animals getting ready to, you know, again continue their feud. With uh, Revolution, which was which was fine. So those were your big angles going into the show. Along the way, there was this slow build of Tank Abbott, and this would play relevant as we move along with this show as to what an idea that was pitched in regards to how to fix that show because of the. Disaster with the title situation. But again, Abbott was, I believe he was working an angle with uh, Jerry Flynn. Not Jerry Lynn, Jerry Flynn, who was another big, tall, lurky, supposedly martial arts guy. So, and I believe they, they face off on the show as well. The other angles heading into the show was David Flynn Crowbar ended up uh, into a storyline with Vampiro that was going to originally start with Vampiro and a mystery partner facing Flair and um, Crowbar. Uh, you had basically the Booker T being excommunicated from Harlem Heat storyline in a feud with Stevie Ray, which also fe- featured Big T, which was actually the former Ahmed Johnson, who, my God... If there was ever a definition of the word large in the dictionary, Ahmed would have definitely fit that role. 
And another angle going on because of the fact that apparently there was some real life heat that translated on screen between Buff Bagwell and Diamond Dallas Page with Page's then wife, Kimberly Page. That's the one thing WCW did a good job of. They would find ways to incorporate real life drama into their stories and angles. And for the most part, were able to get guys to work with each other professionally. If you needed 15 minutes for a match, they were able to get guys to put away their differences for that 15 minutes and, you know, do the, do the angle, do the match, the promo, whatever. The rest of the matches on the card, we're going to see Meng versus Brian Nobbs and Norman Smiley and Fit Finley for the Hardcore Championship, screaming Norman Smiley. Uh, Oklahoma was going to challenge Medusa. Oklahoma was Ed Ferrara in a horrible Jim Ross, my God, um, impersonation, which was horrible and shitty because Ferrara even went as far as to mock Jim Ross's Bell's Palsy, which was shit. Uh, The other stories were, again, yeah, I said the Tank Abbott versus Jerry Flynn match. Uh, Oh, and you had Big Vito and Johnny the Bull versus the Harris Brothers. So that that's your card. Um, we're moving along, we're moving along, we're moving along. And somewhere along the way, Jeff Jarrett comes down with a concussion. But WCW doesn't really do anything about it as far as an announcement. Even Bret Hart, although you got to remember, this is 2000. The internet wasn't what it was today, but there were quite, there were still some websites around, and there were some quiet rumblings that Hart might not be able to work the show. But nothing was confirmed. Nothing. There were no real sources, but there was just some buzz, and there was nothing about Jarrett. So, you know, we assumed Jarrett was going to make it to that Triple Threat Theater match, and then the pay per view goes on the air, and. Within literal seconds of the show being on the air, about 30 seconds to be precise, Tony Schiavone starts with this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We're going to go back and take a look at how those injuries occur, Tony. Okay, we're going to... So there you go. So sold out goes on the air. They did have a pre-show. You got to remember, this was traditional pay-per-view. There wasn't streaming. They did have a traditional half hour before pre-show, I believe on WCW.com. And that's where they made the announcement. But for the pay-per-view, they kicked it right off with this announcement. So not only, okay, so you lose your United States Championship match because Jarrett's out with the concussion. Benoit gets moved to the world title match. So now, it's not only that, it's what happens to Triple Threat Theater. Now, the original angle was supposed to be the Filthy Animals and the Revolution in a three-on-three tag match. Um, The Filthy Animals were going to have a mystery partner. That was also a theme for this show. And they did an angle backstage where Conan gets attacked. So instead of doing a a six-man or a tag match or whatever, they decide to put Billy Kidman against the Revolution in the Triple Threat Theater. He faces Dean Malenko... In a catches can, catches catch can match, um, Malenko ends up losing because he stepped out of the ring. He faces a little later on. He faces Perry Saturn and beats Saturn, and then in the final match inside of a cage, he faces and loses to the Wall, um, who was managed by Shane Douglas. So, so that's how we get around Triple Threat Theater. So we're already through that. The rest of the show features, again, Vampiro was supposed to have a mystery partner to face David Flair and Crowbar. There were some rumblings that this could be where Sting returned to the company. However, he didn't. It ended up being Vampiro against Flair and Crowbar in a handicap match, which Vampiro wins. Big Vito and Johnny the Bull defeat the Harris brothers. Again, Oklahoma, Ed Ferrara, that piece of shit, beats Medusa for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Hardcore champion Brian Nobbs successfully defends the title against Fit Finley, Norman Smiley, and Meng. Booker T. Whit Midnight, who was this woman. Um, I think the story was she was Booker T. and Stevie Ray's sister, if I remember right. Defeats Big T. Tony Norris. Um, Tank Abbott beats Jerry Flynn. This match is known for the post-match spot where Tank Abbott pulls a knife on Jerry Flynn. I don't think it's in the WWE Network version of the show or um, the old WWE 24-7 version of the show. But it aired and Abbott pulls a knife on Flynn at the end of the match. Buff Bagwell defeats Diamond Dallas Page in the last man standing match. Kevin Nash defeats Terry Funk in a hardcore match for... The title of WCW Commissioner. And then with Arn Anderson as the special guest referee, Chris Benoit, it would appear, defeated Sid Vicious by submission to win the vacant WCW Heavyweight Championship. And there's a reason why I do say it would appear. Now, the reason why I say appear is because there were a couple of things. Early in the match, well, earlier in the match, not early in the match, there was a spot where Sid hits Benoit with a choke slam, goes to pin him. Benoit's foot is under the bottom rope, and Arn Anderson, who was the referee, breaks up the pin. The match ends with Benoit with the cross face locked in on Sid, and Sid's foot under the bottom rope, which Arn Anderson missed. So, there you go. You had, from a storyline perspective... You had your 
justification for there to be quote-unquote title controversy. But with what was going on backstage, this actually worked in WCW's favor in the sense that now they had an angle just in case things were to go south with Benoit, and boy, were they ever. However, despite the drama, I believe WCW had plans for Benoit and a successful title run. In fact, after Sold Out goes off the air, um, they do this interview with Benoit, with Gene Okerlund, and and a surprise, I guess, appearance to set up what would have been Benoit's next feud, it seems. With you more, as we know, this young man, Chris Benoit, finally making it. The journey has been a long one. Of course, from the old days, up in Calgary, under the tutelage of Stu Hart in that dungeon, and your travels virtually throughout the world. You had picked up title after title. You wrestled matches literally all over the world. And finally, Chris Benoit, long deserved, you now have become the new WCW heavyweight champion of the world. Our congratulations. Thank you very much, Gene. I'd like to start off by thanking and congratulating Sid Vicious on putting up one hell of a fight. It was one of the toughest fights I've ever been in. Sid, you're one hell of a man. You know, Gene, the first time I ever attended a live pro wrestling event, I was 11 years old. I was in Edmonton, Alberta. I first laid eyes on a man they called the Dynamite Kid. From that time on, there was a fire that was lit inside of me. That fire is the passion that I have for this professional wrestling business. When I first started, a lot of people doubted me. I had a lot of pessimism. People said, well, you're too short. You're too small. You're not heavy enough. Well, I found out, Gene, and I proved tonight, it's not what you don't have. It's what you have that matters. This is what it's all about, the world heavyweight title. You know, it's a... Whoa, whoa, what, Arn Anderson? I'm not a referee. <clears throat> Very emotional moment for me. Sid Vicious is all man. He's more man than most anybody on this planet. There was no prejudice out there, but I just want to congratulate you because I think of everybody out there, you've earned this. No reflection on Sid Vicious. I just want to congratulate you. Tell you, I'm proud to be part of WCW. You and Sid both made that happen. Thank you very it's much, Arn. It's an honor. Hello. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Mr. Commissioner, I just want to say something here, Mr. Canadian Hero. Enjoy that belt for another hour and 40 minutes. Because at the stroke of midnight, your life becomes a living hell. And you know what? That belt belongs to NWO, and we're getting it back. Sorry to turn, put a little turd in your punch bowl there, buddy. <laughs> Talking about the fact that he's going to be the new commissioner, Chris Benoit. Well, from the little turd to the big turd, best of luck. So credit Chris Benoit for being professional during that promo because Benoit, for all intents and purposes, had checked out of WCW. He wanted out in the worst way possible. And WCW had thought, well, if we give him the world title and set him up with a program that he could go over... Maybe that will get him to stay. Not a bad, you know, offer from WCW. The money was good. There are reports that you know Benoit was making about five hundred thousand a year, guaranteed from WCW. So they figured with the money, the title, and a couple of storylines to make some things right for Benoit, they could get him to stay. Unfortunately, that would prove not to be the case. And Benoit, after the show went off the air. Dean Malenko 
Perry Saturn and Eddie Guerrero went to WCW President Bill Bush, asked for their releases, and were granted immediate releases. No holds, no um, anything, no non-competes, nothing. They were released immediately from their contracts because they did not want to work with new WCW creative booker Kevin Sullivan. We'll get into that still to come on this episode, what went down with all that stuff. So we walk out of Sold Out, and here's where we're at so far. Three world title matches, your U.S. Championship Triple Threat Theater match scrapped, your tag title match scrapped, four stars released from the company immediately, including your world heavyweight champion. We haven't gotten to Nitro yet, and I haven't even started on the creative change that happened 48 hours before. So I guess before we can go forward, we should go backwards. Apparently, Vince Russo, this is the urban legend. Once Bret Hart, it was clear that Bret Hart would not be able to wrestle on this show. Vince Russo came up with this idea that they would have the whole rest of the card. And then everybody who won their matches would come back for this big, I think it was going to be a gauntlet match type thing. And whoever won that match would end up being the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And the word is... Russo wanted Tank Abbott to win the championship at this show. Which, if you go back and you remember, to his credit, Russo wanted to build the company around Goldberg. Abbott was in the midst of this big monster push, which included him constantly referencing Goldberg. So you could have actually been looking at an eventual Tank Abbott, Bill Goldberg WCW championship match down the line when Goldberg returned from his injury. The problem is the create forget about the creative side. That was Russo and Ferrara, WCW brass, and that old adage of it's the good old boys wrestling network decided Russo was out of his mind. And on Friday afternoon, before the show, 48 hours before, Vince Russo, after emergency meetings, and the reason why I say this, because I have a friend that was there for a job interview at CNN Center, and they pretty much canceled the interview on him, and then he's said for years that you could just tell something big was going down. After an emergency meeting on Friday afternoon, word comes out about 6 o'clock on Friday that Russo is out of creative. Now, again, say what you will about Russo, but Russo was responsible for the new pushes for guys like Chris Benoit, the Radicals, the Filthy Animals. He came back for all the guys in MIA. He came back for the Booker T's and guys like that. Now he's gone, and it looks like Kevin Sullivan and this old wrestling company mentality was going to come back with the creative team Sullivan was bringing in, and that was it. That's why Benoit and Malenko and Guerrero and Saturn and even Shane Douglas and even Conan tried to leave. 
reason why um, Douglas and Conan ended up back in WCW was because apparently Vince McMahon didn't want either one of them. Uh, there's this old story that Bruce Richard actually recently told not too long ago that he had been in touch with Perry Saturn and Saturn told him in his phone calls it was about Saturn, Guerrero, Benoit, Malenko but warned Pritchard that other people are going to try to call you but I'm only, Saturn saying this I'm only speaking for the main four so there was hell coming and I mean that's why if you think about it Dean Malenko loses a catch-as-catch-can wrestling match to Billy Kidman because Malenko forgets you can't step out of the ring. Dude, this is Dean Malenko, Boris Malenko's son. Like, how, did, how would a Malenko forget something as relevant as that? Perry Saturn gets beat pretty quickly uh, by Kidman in that triple threat theater. So there you go. Guerrero wasn't even on the card. So there's three of you guys. And then here comes WCW trying to appease Benoit by giving him the title, and there was no way. Anybody who knows anything about Chris Benoit, minus the last 48 to 72 hours of his life, will tell you that Chris Benoit is not going to turn his back on his three friends because WCW tried to give him the world title in a last-ditch effort to at least get him to stay. So now the show, for all intents and purposes, is a failure because despite all your efforts to get Chris Benoit to stay, Benoit says, no, fuck this, I'm out with my friends. So now you got to go into Nitro and deal with that disaster. And as I've stated numerous times, it does seem that they were prepared for this potentially to happen because they did have stuff in place with the um, Sid Vicious foot under the rope. And then Tony Schiavone, right after they actually started with a Billy Kidman match, they didn't even cut to Schiavone right away. But once the Kidman match was over, Tony Schiavone made this announcement. Chris Benoit met Sid Vicious for the WCW Heavyweight title. And what we would all agree, and I think you fans who watched the pay-per-view as well would agree, was a real classic between the two men. But today, there has been a reversal of decisions, and it all depends on the referee who was Arn Anderson. Earlier today, Arn Anderson, who was the referee last night, had this profound statement. And here's what Arn Anderson had to say. Last night was an incredible night of highs and lows. For WCW, I saw Terry Funk take a beating that no human should take, or any animal for that matter. But it was for doing what he thought was right. Well, we know how that turned out. I had the honor and the distinction and the responsibility as referee for the world title match last night. And I've always tried say what I mean and mean what I say no matter what trouble that got me in or no how many highs that took me to and I gave my word that I would play that thing right down the middle because I owed that to Sid Vicious I owed it to Chris Benoit I owed it to the people putting me in that position Terry Funk as the commissioner and everybody that bought a ticket or bought that pay-per-view And I found myself during that match, watching the match. Never been a referee before. I was looking at these tremendous impact bumps, and I was looking at guys getting whacked around, and I caught myself and had to stop myself and say, you're the official, get in there. And 
I made a couple of calls. One was right. Sid Vicious took Chris Benoit down that choke slam. Chris's foot was underneath that rope. I stopped the count. Well, Chris Benoit popped that cross face submission on Sid Vicious, and he tapped out. I went down head to head on every count because many times in the past as a wrestler, I've had my shoulder up, but a referee was out of position. Not his fault, maybe. Fact is, I lost a match or two or ten that maybe I shouldn't have. Never forget something like that. Well, I went down head to head. And when watching the playback last night, I realized Sid's leg was underneath the rope. That match should not have been decided at that time. So in essence, what I did is I blew it. And I'm mad enough to say so. I'm sick to my stomach. I want to puke about it. Because I took Benoit's greatest moment. Now I've taken it away from him. Sid Vicious, Chris Benoit, two of the finest athletes in the world, met for the world title. Might as well have kissed her sister on the cheek, because today we don't have one. It's just like the match never happened. So all I can say, as I look in your eyes, I'm a human. I made a mistake. Referees, I respect what they do now more than ever. If everybody could be a referee, everybody would. They got a hard job. So all I can tell you, I did my best. And my best wasn't good enough. A man of honor. And the fact is, fans, we have no world heavyweight champion at this time. The title. So again, not to state the same thing over and over and over again, but it does appear that WCW did line up contingency plans for Benoit leaving, which ended up being the case. At least they weren't like other companies that, you know, assume something's going to be a done deal because it's them and then throw a fit when it doesn't work out their way. Um, so yeah, so there it was. So the belt was taken off Benoit and Benoit was gone. And now... The company moved forward with the plans to put the belt on Sid. Now, okay, so let's just main event Nitro, Sid versus somebody for the title. Oh, no, 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 WCW can't do that. Instead, WCW made Sid jump through these ladders with Kevin Nash as the commissioner. Uh, Sid probably won the title three times before he actually won the title, um... I know he beat the Harris brothers in a handicap match, but then they claimed he pinned the wrong Harris brother. I think there was another stupid angle. And then finally, it culminates for Sid on a thunder where he beats Kevin Nash, ironically enough, with the cripple across face and finally becomes WCW champion. Sid's title run and Kevin Sullivan's run as Booker would run until early April. Sullivan would be removed uh, right at the beginning of April, and then Sid would be stripped of the title on the infamous April 10th edition of Monday Nitro, where Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff returned to try to save the company. Uh, as far as Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero, and Saturn, they would show up on Raw uh, about a week later. Um, and as far as Shane Douglas and Conan goes, they pro- they actually had to go back to WCW, kind of with their tail in between their legs, in the sense that they had talked so much shit and pushed to get out and really thought they were probably going to go as a group of six and were kind of left behind by the radical group. And, you know, Douglas had a decent run. Conan, eh, you know, Conan was what it was until the company was sold. 
And that's it. So, you know, that is WCW Sold Out 2000 in a nutshell. You take any one of those situations, losing Jarrett Benoit in the Triple Threat Deer Series alone is enough to rattle a show and a company. Then you take the world title situation by itself. That alone would be enough to rattle a company. Then you take the creative change 48 hours before the show. That's enough to cripple a company. But then when you have all three happen at the, excuse me, at the same time, that's just a disaster. And unfortunately, those circumstances, and let's not even forget, the, world, the tag title match didn't even happen as advertised. That's another thing that could have like shaken a show when you know you go from this angle that was leading to a mystery partner you know especially someone as big as thing and it turns out to be nothing it ends up being just a regular in typical wcw fashion a handicap match it really makes you wonder jesus christ how did this company survive another year but then it also makes you think okay i'm not surprised this company also lasted another year so that's it for this week um as far as next week goes, we will be looking at Survivor Series 1990. Not so much a bad show, but a show that had something besides the debut of the greatest of all time, The Undertaker. It had something else tied with that show that they never really went to too much. Actually, they never went to it again after that, which made no sense to me. And I want to delve into that. A little more and it's something that could be used very interesting today um, with the different characters and the fact that there's different brands and we'll get delve into Survivor Series 90 and the ultimate match of survival so again thank you for listening again I am your host John JC DiBaselli and until next week thank you for checking out keeping a classic with JCD Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.